Oh, Father in heaven, we can only say it is well because we know that you are the ultimate God of the universe. That everything that exists is only by the make of your hand. All that will occur must pass through your sovereignty. And though we may not understand or see or know, we can know that ultimately it is well because you are the holy and perfect, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God of the universe. You are the reason and God to glorify you is our purpose. Give you thanks and praise this morning. May your name be praised. Amen. Well, good morning. Glad to have each and every one of you here with us this morning. And uh, we are talking about exploring God. Last week, Chad Williams did a great job of sharing his story and his testimony, but also uh, he shared a little bit about uh, a case for God. And I think as Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, it's in, and without faith it's impossible for us to please him, and whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Erin Schottinger, an Austrian theoretical, theoretical physicist, says this. He says, uh, he, he's very famous in the area of quantum physics. When it comes to those things that are most important, who am I, where did I come from, and where am I going, who is God, and what is the will of God, science is deathly silent. In January, uh, in the Time, Time magazine, talked about the mystery of conscience. And Dr. Steven Pinker, who is professor of psychology at Harvard, was marveling about the brain, marveling about our existence. And he says this, think about it, why we remind ourselves sometime that life is short. It's an impetus to extend a gesture of affections to our loved one, to bury the hatchet to pointless disputes, and to use the productivity rather than to squander it. I would argue that nothing gives life more purpose than the realization that every moment of consciousness is a precious and fragile gift. He concludes, nothing gives life more purpose than knowing that these are the only moments we have. Now, what he is, as a psychiatrist, what he is actually presenting and communicating is that we are a collective random group of molecules that exist upon this earth and that we, by random chance, exist. There is no purpose. There is no meaning. We simply exist. And when you die, that's it. There is no life after So you must make the most of the one that you have because there's nothing after it. And you ought to claw and fight and do everything you can to extend it as long as you possibly can because there's nothing after this. But it's interesting what the astrophysicists say. Fred Hoyle, probably the greatest astrophysicist of all times, said this from Cambridge uh, College. He said, a common sense interpretation of the fact suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with physics, 
as well as with chemistry and biology, and that there are no blind forces speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put the conclusion almost beyond question. George Ellis, another Cambridge astrophysicist, said, Amazing fine-tuning occurs in the laws that make the complexity possible. Realization of the complexity of what is accomplished makes it very difficult not to use the word miraculous. Now, these are not Christian, or certainly uh, Dr. Ella. These are not Christians necessarily saying this. They're saying, as astrophysicists, without taking stand as to the cosmological status of the world. Paul Davies, another astrophysicist, says this, There is for me powerful evidence there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe, the impression of design, is overwhelming. He goes on to say, The laws of physics seemed to be the product of exceedingly ingenuous design. The universe must have a purpose. Now, that's what the astrophysicists say. But we already know there is design. We already know that there is a creator. There can be no purpose in life. Just as the Harvard professor said, there can be no purpose in life if there is no creator of life. You've read the book by Lee Strobel, and I highly recommend it. If you struggle or you know someone who struggles with this issue, called The Case for the Creator. There's a case for Christ, there's a case for faith, and he's written a book called The Case for the Creator. And I want to give you just a few simple reasons you can believe there's a creator, a few simple arguments, a few simple points. First of all, origin. <clears throat> when we think about our origin, you have to come to one of two conclusions that there is no personal agent, that everything in life has happened by random coincidence. There is no design, there is no order, there is no purpose. And you will die and that will be the end of it. There is no ultimate justice for the injustice that is going on right now. Or you can choose to believe that God is the ultimate creator and that he is the creator of all life and of all things. That there is no meaning, if you believe there is no God, that we are simply an accident. There is no medium, meaning. There is no meaning. It is random chance. Or you can choose to believe that there is a creator. And if there is a creator, there is a purpose for life. When we create things, we create things for purpose. If you choose to say there is no God, we cannot know that, that if you choose to take agnosticism to its literal conclusion, there are no absolute morals. You cannot say something is right or wrong. It's simply about existence, survival. But if we believe there's a God, there is truth, and there are ethical grounds of God's nature. There is right and there is wrong. If there is no God, there's nothing after this life. It all ends. All the toys get put back in the box. They put you in a hole. We throw dirt on it. We go back in. We eat potato salad, and that's the end of it. That's all there is. But if we believe in the God of the Bible, this is what we can know. When you ask the questions, what about all the suffering? What about the injustice in the world? What about the evil people in the world? Here's what we can know is that there is the God of the Bible will bring about eternal justice for all those who have been condemned. 
or we can recognize that if we have accepted his grace and forgiveness, there is eternal life given to us for all of us who know him as God and as Savior. There's a big word called teleology. Aristotle uh, dealt with this term, dealt with these terms thousands of years ago. And teleology is a combination of two words, logos and telos. It starts with the word telos. As Americans, we may call it telos sometimes, but telos. And what is telos? Well, let's start actually with the word logos. The word logos, that is found in, it's found out throughout the Bible, actually, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And the word, the logos, became flesh. What does that word logos mean? It means cause. In Genesis 1, God caused the world to come into formation. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse 1, in the beginning was the cause, was the reason. The logos is the cause and the reason. We typically think of it just as logic, but it was a much richer, deeper word during Jesus' day. Philosophers often debated it, and they talked about the logos. What is the cause of life? What is the cause of our existence? What is the reason? And we see John speaking directly to this mindset. In the beginning was the cause, was the reason. And the cause, the reason, was with God. And the cause and the reason was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him not anything can be made and was made. That's the logos, the cause, the reason. So... Here's how we can understand it. The reason that we are here today to worship is God. Our purpose is to worship, to bring him glory. The logos, the reason that we exist is God. And if we miss that one right there, if we miss the logos, if we miss the reason, we miss God, we miss everything. And then you're out there to just search and to have no hope and that this is all there is. But in the beginning, God and the God and the Logos, the reason, the cause came to this earth and he dwelt among us. That brings us to the telos, our purpose, our purpose in life. Our purpose in life, according to Isaiah 43, 7, the Bible tells us that we exist to glorify God. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for what? For my glory, whom I formed and made. So the reason that we are here is God. Our purpose is to bring him glory. The reason that we are in church today is because of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But our purpose is to worship. Our purpose is to glorify Him. The reason that you are on this earth today is because of God Almighty. Your purpose is to bring Him glory. Your purpose is to make Him known. Your purpose is to worship. And when we start to put other things in there, when we start to put other purposes and reasons, that's when life starts to not make sense. And we are not living out the reason nor the purpose for which we have been created. Now, 
I want to take just a moment to help you understand that a little better. So my dad, uh, we, we grew up in the country in a rural area, and uh, we grew up on well water. How many of you grew up with well water? Okay. I'm not talking about from the city. I'm talking about you had your own little personal well right there, okay? And so every month, and our, our water had a lot of sulfur in it in Louisiana, South Louisiana. There's a lot of sulfur in it, and so it, it, it didn't really taste particularly good if you just took it right out of the well. So we had these filters on there, and so we had this little well shed. And so we would go out and we would change it. And um, my dad um, only believed that there were two... Uh, really, one primary tool that was necessary for all of life. It was called a hammer, okay? With a hammer, everything can be fixed, okay? And when a hammer won't fix it, you can use a crescent wrench, all right? Here's how it would go. This, it would be something like this, and uh, we would have to change that filter. We'd have to change it. We'd put that thing on there, and we'd change it off. My dad would take the hammer, and he would start beating, especially when it was cold. Like when it was ice cold, it'd get stuck, and we'd, we'd try to move it. Maybe every once in a while, about once a year, he'd put some WDD-40 on it, but he would beat that thing. And so I, he taught me how to beat it with a hammer. So I would do it, and eventually we would get that thing, but you know what would happen about every two years? This would break off. We'd have to go in and get another. We wouldn't have water for three or four days because I'd just broken it. And because I'd learned from my father how to use a hammer properly, let that be a lesson to you men. Um, that's why we have a, something called man up for people like me who only used how to use a hammer properly and improperly. And what's funny is it would work for a while. It would actually work. I could knock that thing off and then beat another one on there, and it would work for a while. But soon the threads would start to break down, and it would break, and then we didn't have any water. So then we'd have to go buy another one instead of buying some tools that actually worked. We'd go buy another one, and we'd go through this process for a year, 18 months. We'd use this hammer, and we would just beat on it all the time. And my, we, we fixed a lot of things like that with a hammer. Inside, my mom would go, don't tell your dad because he'll get the hammer, and he'll just try, he'll break something, okay? And so it was a constant problem. When we changed the car battery, get the hammer, get that thing out of there. And so... it. I don't know. You might be a redneck if your only tool is a hammer. I get it. I get it. All right? I get it. But you know what the problem was? It wasn't that that didn't work. It's, it's, it was not its telos. It's telos. It's purpose. The purpose of a hammer is not to beat everything. It's, it's to drop nails in the wall when necessary. You can use it to change out your your water pump, you can choose it to change out your water filter, but there'll come a time when that ceases to work. And do you get the picture here? You can decide, hey, my purpose is to make money. And you can make money. And that will work for a while, but there'll come a day when that purpose no longer provides, no longer satisfies. You know, if I could just have children, I'd be happy. If I could just have the right spouse, and we get that. And then we realize, you know what? That does not ultimately fulfill me. It's like saying a hammer is going to be our purpose. But you see, telos, that word telos, purpose. Our purpose 
is to become complete in him, to meet the chief end for which we exist. So with that understanding, I want us to look at Romans chapter 1 for just a moment. Romans chapter 1. Understanding what our logos, what is the logos? That is Christ Jesus. And that our purpose is to worship, to bring him praise, to glorify him. Many times uh, people say, well, what about people who don't know? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, but the wrath of God, which simply means his settled indignation, his resolve that he is ultimately going to deal with sin, that he is in that process, he's going to deal with, with sin. His ultimate justice might be another way to understand. The ultimate justice of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Paul is saying here that we are suppressing the truth. Do you recognize that virtually everyone that's born recognizes inwardly that there is a God? Every culture uh, on earth realizes their God. Oh, yes, there are certain ones that have sought to repress faith, uh, whether it was Stalin or Mussolini, um, whoever it's been. But then we find out when those regimes are lifted, we see that there have always been believers. And they seek to suppress. Sometimes we hear people who begin to uh, say, I, you know, I've become an agnostic. And what they're, really do, what they're really doing is they're suppressing. And the picture here in the Greek is the same word, and you've heard it mentioned before. It's like having a beach ball in the water, and you're trying to stuff it down. You're trying to suppress it, but you know it's going to come up. You can cover it up, but at the end of the day, its nature is to come up. That's the truth. That's the nature of who we are, that we know that screams that there is a creator. And so we can suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God reveals himself. Now, this is called natural revelation. We believe the Bible is special revelation, but natural revelation, as we look upon the creation of God, as we sense within us that there is something, you have to be taught not to believe that there is a God. You have to be taught not to think there is something more. It is natural. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. It's been clearly demonstrated. Natural revelation. When we are honest, when everyone is honest, even Christopher Hitchens, Hitchens the famous atheist, said, what are you going to do at the end if you start to waver and die? He said, don't believe me. Don't believe me. If I start to say there's a God, if I start to think there's a God, if I see visions, if I have don't believe me. Talk about suppressing. Suppressing. I, I want to tell you right now, just don't listen to me. I've determined to be an atheist. And even if I change my mind, don't listen to me. Anthony Flew, the greatest, uh, probably one of the, the he was the Dawkins um, of the 20th century, came to the place after 50 years of espousing atheism that he recognized there was a God. He said, I can no longer defend my position. I can no longer define, de- de- I can no longer deny the evidence. It is welling up inside me and I see it in the creation, the natural revelation of God. He came to that place where he said, it's true. And what did his friends say? Oh, he's getting old. 
He's slipping. He doesn't know what he's saying. Suppressing. The Bible tells us that's exactly what people will do. Why? Because they want to be God. You see, if you don't believe there is God, if you believe we are a random creation, just a bag of molecules, then you're God. You get to just make all the decisions. You get to decide. And whatever you want, whatever feels right, you get to do. You get to be in charge. You get to define life. But the Bible says that they have clearly perceived and ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Creation is screaming the existence of God. For although they knew God, they knew there was a God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, that picture. Although they knew there was a God, they began to rationalize, they began to think, they began to scheme And their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory. Remember what we talked about the telos was? The glory to glory God. Their purpose and exchanged their purpose for idols. For, for the immortal God, for images resembling mortal men, birds, animals, and creeping things. There's the picture right there. God has given us something called general or natural revelation. General revelation. First of all, general revelation is this. It's the physical universe that we were just describing. As we look at the complexity, as we look at the fine-tuning of the world that we live in, and that if we were a little closer to the sun, we would burn up. If we were a little further away, all life would cease. If we didn't have the exact moon that we have, uh, life on earth would not be possible, even though we can't figure out how that moon got there. We, it didn't break off the earth, as scientists for a long time suspected, but now it's believed that two huge asteroids just happened to collide, and it just happened to be there, therefore helping with the gravitational pull on earth that has to be exactly right. If it was any stronger, uh, the seas would flood our lands. If it was any less, the water would not rage and would not be suitable for life. It would become stagnant, and the, the minerals and the plankton and everything that goes through the sea is dependent upon that gravitational pull from this moon. You realize even if Jupiter didn't exist, we wouldn't be here. You think about the fine-tuning of life. If it wasn't for lightning injecting nitrogen into the ground, we couldn't know vegetation as we know it. As we begin to look, we see there's incredible complexity and incredible fine-tuning. The general revelation of God that has been given to us and then there's the conscience of man that we talked about that you innately know there is something more. Someone has to teach you there's not anything more. You don't find someone who's just a natural atheist who's born without uh, any messages or out any training to tell them that there is no God because you naturally know there's something else. There's something more. There's something for which all things were created. It tells you in inner recesses of your heart. That's called general revelation. The physical universe the conscience of man. But then there's special revelation that we've also received. Personal revelation, where God speaks to you. A lot of times people say, what about people who aren't hearing? You know, it's amazing. I remember the first time I heard this about 15 years ago. I thought this was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. 
I was talking to Jim Dennison. I said, what do you do with the, the Muslim countries where they're not hearing the gospel? He said, well, God's speaking through dreams. Oh, come on, give me a better one than that. What do you mean God's speaking through dreams? And we've had several men over the past 10 years <coughs> who were Muslims who said, God spoke to me, came to me in a dream as I was praying, as I was seeking him. Chihi, who's here this morning, who was raised Buddhist, as I was talking to her again this morning, and she's going to share her story Wednesday morning for you women. Uh, how, did, how did you come to Christianity? God spoke to her in a dream. Now, some of you are going, I don't know about that. Hey, this didn't happen in Flying Around, okay? Where we have this mindset of what can't happen and we suppress, all right? And I'm not saying God uh, is speaking to you through all your dreams. He's probably not. Okay, but God can, and he seeks people, and he reveals truth to them. It happened through Scripture. Now, we have the Bible today, so don't start going on your dreams because your self, selfish uh, mindset and your selfish uh, desires also can filter into dream. But when people really begin to seek God and seek his heart, he can reveal himself however he likes. Sometimes, uh, for many of us, for most of us, the life of Christ as we really study the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ became God in the flesh. God in the flesh came in the person of Jesus Christ and he lived a perfect life and he took our sins upon him. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And he took our sins upon him and he forgave us of our sin and he has covered us so that all who would believe might receive that grace and forgiveness. The Bible has been given to us that gives us the truth, that gives us right and wrong, that helps us to understand who God is, to understand uh, the Logos, and to understand our telos. It's been revealed to us. It's special revelation. And then there's prophecy as we look at the over uh, 300 prophecies that have come true, that were given particularly about the person of Jesus Christ. And yet there remains still more prophecy that we continue to be fulfilled. That is called special revelation. So God is revealing himself. Westminster Catechism says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to joy him forever. That comes from Isaiah 43, 7 in Psalm 67. That our chief purpose, our chief end, our chief existence in this earth is to bring God glory, to bring Him worship. It is why we are here. And we do that through our telos, through our purpose. So how do we do that today? How do we glorify God specifically? How do we go about that process? Well, it's really pretty simple. Number one, knowing Him. We started this service by saying, be still and know that he is God. By seeking him, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We glorify God when we seek him and when we seek his righteousness. In Psalms 150, when we praise him, praise the Lord, Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the heavenly places. Praise Him in our deeds. Praise Him for His greatness. As we praise God, we glorify Him. As we proclaim God, we glorify Him. As we thank God and give Him thanks, we glorify Him. 
as we steward with all the things that he has given, our blessings, our talents, our resources, we worship him, we bring him glory. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Are you faithful with what God has given you? That's one of the ways that we glorify him. That's one of the ways that we live out our telos, our purpose in our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 said, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. God loves a cheerful giver. When we give, we glorify God. When we serve, we glorify God. When we love others, we glorify God. And when we enjoy what God has given us, when we enjoy God himself, the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Enjoy yourself in the Lord when we worship. When you, this morning as we were worshiping, as we delight in Him, as we experience the music, as we hear the beauty, as we hear the Word, delight yourself in Him. Bring Him praise. As we go to work tomorrow, as we work as unto the Lord, we bring Him glory. Psalms 50 23 says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, I will show salvation of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for what? For your telos, for the glory of God. Philippians 2, 11, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Second Thessalonians 1.12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are two great moments in every person's life. The first great moment is the day that you're born. And the second great moment is when you realize why you exist. When you come to that place where you decide who is going to be God of your life. See, the Bible tells us that we're in a spiritual war and that we desire to sit upon the throne of our life. But God is saying, I want to be the Lord. And when we make him our God, we push ourselves aside and we say, God, my purpose now is not to bring myself pleasure. It's not for me to get everything I want. It's not for me to make all the money I can. It's not for me to get every pleasure that I can seek. But, Lord, it's to glorify you. And I want to fulfill my telos, my purpose, by glorifying you. And so I want to use all the th- these things that you've given me for your glory. That's the picture right there. And when we push him off and when we or decide to ignore him and go on it about life about our own way, then it is meaningless. And we are not performing our telos. We are not living out. Our telos. Jerome, the great church writer who uh, helped translate uh, the Old Testament into Greek from Hebrew, said that he had a vision one night, he had a dream one night, and then that dream he was seeking what he should give Jesus 
And so when he saw Jesus, he came and he gave him all of his money, all of his wealth. And he put it before Jesus. And Jesus said, that's, that's not what I came for. That's not what I'm asking for. So next, Jerome got everything that he had in his life that was of value. And he put it before God. Here you, here you go, Jesus. But I didn't come for your possessions. Jesus, what did you come for? Jerome said, Jesus told me I came for your sins. Bring them to me. Place them at my feet. And make me your God. Have you come to the place where you've brought all of your thoughts, all all of your ideas, your telos, your purpose, and you said, God, I place it before you. I don't want them to become my idols. I want you to become my Lord. And I place everything before you. I recognize that my reason for being here on this earth is because of you, God. You are the reason. And that my purpose is to worship you, is to praise you, is to bring you glory. That's why I exist. That's why you exist. And we will continue to ask these questions of why, why, until we recognize the reason is God. The purpose is to worship and glorify Him. Have you come to that place today? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I I feel so often I am like the hammer trying to change the filter. And I'm taking my life and I'm trying to beat it into the place that I want it to be. I'm trying to make life what I want it to be. Instead of taking my life and offering it as an act of worship. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that you are the reason we are upon this earth. And that we are to live for our telos, our purpose which is to bring you glory, to bring you praise, to bring you honor by knowing you, by serving you, by giving to you, by loving others. Lord, by praising you and worshiping you, by sharing and proclaiming you. Lord, let us come back to the purpose for which we exist. Let us come back to seek you, to praise you, to proclaim you, to thank you, to be good stewards of the manifold blessings that you've given us, to be givers, to be servers, to be lovers of life and to lovers of you and to enjoy and to delight ourselves in you. Lord, we thank you for this time. For just a moment, I want you to be still and know that he is God. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. You see that God has naturally revealed himself. And he's done that through the Logos, through Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never come to that place where you recognize, I'm a sinner and I'm not going to get there by doing good deeds. That's like using a hammer to fix all things. My good deeds are as filthy rags. But there's only one way that I can know salvation, that I can know the grace of God. And that's by confessing that I'm a sinner and saying, Lord, take me, forgive me. I need you. Become my logos so that I might have telos. Maybe you're here and you know the logos, but you've let other things become your telos, your purpose. 
Would you confess that and repent of that right now? Maybe it's become an attitude or a spirit because things haven't gone the way you want or it's not like you think it should be. And so your telos now has been for your happiness, for things for you to be in control and get what you want. Will you confess today and say, God, forgive me. I have let so many other things become my telos. I have become my own telos. I have been living as if there is no God, if there is a God who is not in control and who does not have purpose and reason. Lord, today I repent. Become my telos, my worship.